Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello there, it's Mary Stone on a very cold screen porch with the snow on the ground. It's just so lovely. I want to thank those of you that reached back after last week's chat about the meaning of rose colors and Valentine's traditions. Indeed, roses are beautiful, and many of you think so, even though they can be fussy to grow, at least for me. So anyway, today we're going to talk about bark, how beautiful it is, all the different kinds, and the anatomy of bark. And it starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. During winter walks through the woods or along the road with Jolie, the bark of trees takes center stage, especially standing in the snow. The texture and shadows are art. I confess not being the best at identifying species without leaves, unless a few are on the tree or on the ground nearby. So I thought Bruce Crawford's talk on bark basics at the recent New Jersey Nursery and Landscape Association event would help me learn to identify trees in winter. It turned out to be a fascinating lesson on the anatomy of bark and trunks, along with an assortment of trees he admires and the unique features of their bark. I should mention that Bruce Crawford is the manager of horticulture of the Morris County Park Commission here in New Jersey. And so as he was sharing the slides, many of them were of the trees around the parks that he takes care of. The Cliff Notes version, the trunks of trees are primarily dead tissue to support the tree or shrub. Only the outside layer of the trunks are living. The outer bark protects the tree from the elements, insect invasions, and from losing moisture and constantly renews from within. The inner bark is the food pipeline of the tree and lives for a brief time before turning into cork, part of the protective outer bark. Then there's the growing part of the trunk, called the cambium cell layer, that produces new bark and new wood each year, triggered by the hormones transported through the phloem from the leaves. The phloem, by the way, is the name of the inner bark. I hope this isn't overly complicated. Writing these cliff notes is helping me understand how trees work, which is pretty cool. I hope you find it so too. Water moves from the new wood, called sapwood, to the leaves. As the new rings form, the old rings become heartwood, supporting the tree. Though heartwood is not alive, it does not deteriorate or lose strength as long as the outer layers of bark are primarily undamaged. A tree will most likely recover if less than 25% is injured. Remove any detached bark, leaving the healthy bark, and allowing the tree to heal. No need for tree paint or sealers. Bark works like our skin, keeping innards intact and protected. It helps maintain moisture and expands as we grow or exfoliate, making room for new skin. Some trees, like beech trees, shed their skin quickly, while others, like pine, do so slowly, causing the outer layer of their skin, their bark, to grow thick and crack but the inner layer of the bark is smooth, fitting with the trunk's width. But American beech bark begins to wrinkle too, starting from the bottom up when it reaches middle age. And the older the beech tree gets, the deeper the cracks. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) We spoke about beloved Mr. Beech in episode 45. I invite you to tune in too. Each tree species has developed a kind of bark that evolved over a hundred million years. 
There's persimmon, which has alligator-like bark. It's native to southeastern United States. And of course, there's white ash with its diamond-shaped patterns in the bark. Sadly, emerald ash borer is devastating the ash trees. Some trees have bark that photosynthesizes, like aspen trees, which we don't have in this neck of the woods, but they are the most widespread tree in North America. Like river birch, paper birch photosynthesizes through the bark of their limbs and trunk, even on warm late winter days, giving them a jump start to other deciduous trees, hence why they grow so quickly. Another exfoliating bark is paper bark maple. Another feature of birch trees, by the way, is they have prominent lenticels as do cherry trees and tree lilacs. Lentocils work much like tiny windows, allowing trees to breathe. All plants have them, and they are on fruit surfaces as well. They look like dots or narrow etched lines. There's patchy bark of Cornus cusa and American sycamore, as well as Stewartia. Then there's plately bark, such as shagbark hickory that we spoke about in episode 132, shagbark hickories, and nutty-mast years. The Kentucky coffee tree also has plately bark, and because the leaves are so big when leafless, the wood structure and the bark is so simple. In the winter, there's hardly any twigs on the tree. Bruce said that you would love it without the leaves, and if you don't like the pods, grow a male tree. Our beloved northern white oak also has plately bark, and it's a gorgeous native tree that supports many forms of wildlife. Then there are trees with peeling bark in long strips, such as Heptacodium, which is the seven sunflower, and also eastern red cedar. Then there's bald cypress, also known as pond cypress, which is another underused tree that does well in wet and dry conditions and tolerates salt. Some of the smooth bark trees are Acer palmatum, which is Japanese maple, and American hornbeam, or the common hornbeam found in Europe. One of the trees that I had forgotten about, and I must plant one or two, is hackberry. It has pebbled bark, which is very cool, and it's an underused native tree. Ginkgo biloba has ridge and furrow bark, as does sourwood, which blooms in July, native to eastern and southern United States. Then there's colorful bark, such as red maple. Its stems are redder in the winter. And then red twig dogwood, has greener stems in the summer. It's magnificent how trees have adapted through millions of years. In recent years, we all know the sad demise of the ash trees from the emerald ash borer, and beech leaf disease is spreading. We wonder why these things are happening. Many are Mother Nature's way of checks and balances, but some by the negligence of caring for our earth. I've spoken about the winter of three nor'easters that caused tremendous damage in our woods. They say a mini-tornado passed through, knocking down a trail of hemlock. Since then, there's been a resurgence of a population of trees, new ones surfacing, others growing. When trees die and fall, sprouts of new branches from surrounding trees emerge from the dormant, latent buds tucked in their trunks that wake up with the increasing light, just as when we shed the wounds from our past by forgiving, we can begin to flourish garden dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com. You know, I'm thinking about it, that metaphorically, we grow thicker skin as we age. We toughen up after life challenges us. Stretch marks can occur during pregnancy and episodes of weight gain and loss, which happened to me at age 16. 
I grew six inches in less than a year. Gratefully, stretch marks can fade. The same applies to trees. Moldillary rays are known as pith rays or tiger stripes. They're the white marks, sometimes curved, especially prominent on fine oak furniture. Adding charm, character, and overall beauty to any oak furniture piece, writes PictureWood.com. Have you noticed what looks like skin folds at the base of branches? Outcomes of growth. Indeed, stretch marks can be attractive. It's a matter of how you look at things. I can't help but reflect on my unexpected furry messenger, Miss Ellie May, my unintended rescue that stumbled into my life and helped rescue me after letting go of a marriage riddled by the isolation and neglect of addiction to a man I still loved. We both accepted some of our stretch marks as permanent. One way to heal is to think of ourselves as part of the whole. We are all one, regardless of the color of our skin, which developed just as the bark of trees based on the climate and environments of the areas of origin thousands and thousands of years ago. Then we moved around, just as plants have. When trees decline, especially those near our home or other structures, we question whether to intervene and cut trees down, or let them follow their natural course. I look in our woods now where those fallen hemlocks lay. The heap of wood is not pretty, but I see the beauty in their purpose, to decay and nourish our dear earth bringing life to the new. So thanks for coming by. I always appreciate our time together, and I hope you have as well. It really is so beautiful to see how many more are joining us each week, and more of us are learning and growing in the Garden of Life. Life is about sharing and growing indeed. And while we may grow thicker skin, it can exfoliate, and new skin takes its place. Skin of hope and growth and love. Thanks so much. See you next time on the screen porch. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.